Yo, what's up, everybody? Episode 104 of the How on Infinity podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob, and we got a great show on up for you today, folks. On today's episode, we're talking about the NBA Finals. Yes, the NBA Finals are underway, so I'm going to give you my thoughts on the finals so far, and then we got Marvel Talk. I'm going to go over my expectations for the new Black Widow movie, which comes out this week. And to wrap things up, I have a Marvel Cinematic Universe tier list. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, yes, yes. That time weekend, everybody. Episode 104 of the How on Infinity podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob Knight. First time listening to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back for another fantastic episode. And please remember, go like us on our social media sites. Follow us on Facebook at High on Infinity Podcast. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at High Infinity Pod. Or follow me, the host, on my personal accounts, Twitter and Instagram at SoYamAsian. And if you did not get all that, just hit the link tree link up in the bio of the podcast. It has all our podcast social media sites and our podcast streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. And last but not least, if you like what you hear, please leave your boy a five-star review on your preferred streaming platform. Like always, hope everybody's doing good. I'm doing good myself, and I apologize for no episode last week. It wasn't a plain week off, but to be honest, last week was a slow news week. It happens, you know. I tried to find something to talk about, like I really did try, but I just didn't want to throw something together just to not miss a week. You know, if I do that, I'm just wasting my time and your time. But I made up for it with this week's episode. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about. We got some Marvel talk. Of course, you know, Black Widow comes out this weekend. And we got some special plan for all of the previous Marvel movies. But first, let's talk some basketball. The NBA Finals are now underway. We got the Phoenix Suns versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Just like everybody predicted at the start of the season. And I can't lie, this has been a very entertaining playoffs. Granted, there have been some bumps in the road with some injuries to some star players. But overall, there's been some great basketball being played this postseason. And now we're down to the final two. So first, we're going to start off with the Eastern Conference champions, the Bucks. This is their first time in the NBA Finals since 1974. So first finals in almost 50 years. So how did the Bucks get here? Well, they swept the Heat. In the first round, then they came back and beat the Nets in a very entertaining seven-game series. And they beat the Hawks in six games to advance to the NBA Finals. And in the Hawks series, there were some ups and downs. Unfortunately, Giannis got hurt in game four. Like When I saw the injury, I was like, oh, a knee is not supposed to bend that way. But he was able to play in game one of the Finals. And when Giannis got hurt, they still managed to win the last two games in that series without the two-time MVP. Of course, Chris Middleton... Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez all stepped up in the games they played without Giannis. But kudos to the Hawks, though. It was sad to see Trey Young get hurt in like a freak accident when he like stepped back out of bounds and he stepped on the ref's foot and like hurt his ankle or something like that. Like if he was healthy, maybe the series would have turned out differently. But we can't go back. And the Hawks should be proud of themselves. No one expected them to make it this far. I sure as hell did not. You know, they beat the Knicks. They upset the heavily favorite 76ers. And they battled the Bucks to the very end. 
On paper, they have a very good team, a young core to build around. Trey Young is a superstar now after this playoff run, but we got to see what they do in the offseason, like who they bring in and who they leave via free agency. But when you think about it, where do the Hawks really stand in the Eastern Conference? Like I said, we don't know what the Hawks or other teams are going to do in free agency this offseason, but just off the top of my head, next season, I think the Bucks are going to be better than the Hawks. I think the Nets, they're going to return healthy, so I assume they're going to be better than the Hawks. The Sixers, probably so, depending on how the Ben Simmons situation play out. And I think the Celtics will be good or, you know, be better than they were this year. So to me, the Hawks are probably in that four, five, six range along with the Celtics and the Heat. But we'll see what happens. Now, moving on to the Western Conference champs, the Phoenix Suns. This is their first time in the NBA Finals since 1993 with Charles Barkley. And I looked at the roster Half of the Suns roster wasn't even born yet the last time the Suns made the finals. So how did the Suns get here? Of course, you know, in the first round, they beat the Lakers in six games. They swept the Nuggets in the second round, and they beat the Clippers in six games to advance to the NBA Finals. And two of those games in that series against the Clippers was without Chris Paul. And congrats to Chris Paul for making it to his very first NBA Finals. Took him 16 years to get there, and that shows how hard it is to make it to the NBA Finals. I know in the past few years we've been spoiled. LeBron made the eight straight. Steph Curry made it the five straight. So they made it look pretty easy. And people were like, well, you know, the Suns, they caught all the breaks. They played the Lakers without Anthony Davis for a few games. There was no Jamal Murray for the Nuggets. And Kawhi missed the series in the Western Conference Finals. Granted, they did play teams who had injuries to key players. But when you think about it, like every team that make it to the Finals have caught some breaks on the way there, like the Raptors, they beat the Warriors without Kevin Durant or Klay Thompson in the last game. And during the Warriors run, their whole five-year run, they played some teams without some of their best players. I'm not saying it's their fault, you know, but hey, sometimes that's just the way it happens. Like every title team comes across, you know, a little luck during their run. But now let's get to the NBA Finals. I thought the finals were going to start this Thursday, but they moved it up to this past Tuesday because the two series ended earlier than expected. And I was going to go on here, give you my, you know, preview and prediction. Like, okay, I think this person going to guard this person and yada, yada, yada. But to me, it doesn't make sense to go ahead and pick a series winner after the series has already started. But I like both teams, you know, they got players I like. So I don't got a problem with either team winning the title. Like if the Bucks win, I like Giannis, one of my favorite players in the league. If the Suns win, cool. I like Booker. Chris Paul will get his well-deserved ring. But moving on to game one. Game one, like I said, was this past Tuesday. I watched a little bit of the game. You know how I am with West Coast games. You know, they start later, so I can't watch the game in its entirety. So hopefully when they play in Milwaukee, the games will come on a little bit earlier. So what happened in game one? Well, the Suns won, so they lead the series 1-0. And when I looked at the score the next morning, I was scratching my head. I was like, so the Bucks shot better from the three-point line. They basically shot the same from the field. How the hell did the Bucks lose by 13? And then I saw it. The Bucks shot 56% from the free throw line, while the Suns shot 96% from the free throw line. So that was the difference maker. And the Suns played great. Four to five starters had double figures. Chris Paul had 32 points and nine assists on 61% shooting. So, so far, he's the early front runner for finals MVP. 
Devin Booker also chipped in with 27 points, even though it took him 28 shots. But hey, they won the game. That's all that matters. And DeAndre Ayton had a monster game with 22 points and 19 rebounds. Definitely getting him on my fantasy basketball team next season. But on the Bucks side of things, I'm guessing Giannis was a game time decision. Like everybody else, I thought he wasn't going to play in game one. But for a guy who isn't 100%, he played well in my opinion. 20 points, 17 rebounds. 53% shooting from the field, but 7 to 12 from the free throw line, but that's expected when it comes with Giannis. And I would assume that since Giannis wasn't 100%, that Chris Milton was the vocal point of the offense in game one. He had a team high 29 points, but didn't shoot the ball well from the field. Drew Holiday didn't have a great night shooting as well, 4 of 18 from the field, but Brooke Lopez did have 17 points, so there's a bright spot. And he's been playing very well ever since Giannis was out for those games in the Eastern Conference Finals. But moving on to game two, game two is Thursday. I'll probably catch the first half of the game. I expect Giannis to be closer to 100%, and I'll give Giannis, let's say, I give Giannis 27 points, 14 rebounds in game two. Middleton will probably chip in with 23 to 25 points, and hopefully they'll get a little more at a holiday in game two and on the sun side of things, just do the same thing it did in game one. Have your big three, Booker, Aiden, and Chris Paul, give you about 70 points, 65, 70 points, and get your role players involved as well, which they have been doing this entire playoffs. And we'll see how this series goes on. And I know this isn't the flashiest NBA finals, like team-wise, but I think this finals will have good ratings since it does have live crowds. And these two teams have some of the best fan bases in the NBA. Like, usually small market teams have really good fan bases, like the Bucks, Suns, Thunder, the Jazz. Granted, just because we didn't get Lakers Nets or Clippers Nets doesn't mean that this finals isn't going to be good. I think this finals will at least go six games, maybe seven, hopefully. Just, you know, for some entertainment value, since I don't have a dog in the fight, really. And if you're like a true basketball fan, even though if your team isn't in it, you're always down to see some great basketball being played. Marvel is back with this first movie in over two years. Black Widow comes out this weekend. Already bought my tickets two weeks ago. And I'm going to do things a little different on the podcast when it comes to Black Widow. This week, I'm just going to give you my expectations going into the movie. You know, just some last minute thoughts, predictions, and theories I have for this film. I'm doing the same thing I do with the Marvel Disney Plus shows before they came out. The next week, I'll get on the podcast, give you my thoughts and reactions to the Black Widow movie. And I think I'm going to start doing this with all the future Marvel and DC movies. I think that will work out for the best. But we already know about Black Widow. This movie was supposed to been out. But hey, we're finally here. I'm excited to see the movie. Like I said, it's been two years since the last Marvel movie, Spider-Man Far From Home, back in 2019. And one question I always had with the Black Widow movie was, why now? Why tell her story after she died? You know, she did that Jeff Hardy off the mountain in Avengers Endgame. But yeah, this movie takes place between Civil War and Infinity War. So 2017, I guess. And usually... These Marvel movies take place the year it comes out. And if Black Widow happened to come out in 2017, it would have been the same year that Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Thor Ragnarok came out. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was good to me. Took me a second time to watch the film to really enjoy it. And Spider-Man Homecoming and Thor Ragnarok are two of the better Marvel movies. Then throw Black Widow in 2017. Assuming Black Widow was great. 
then he probably had one of the best years in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because most people think 2014 was the best year for Marvel because Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and the first Guardians of the Galaxy came out that year. 2017 was good too, like I stated, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Thor Ragnarok. Also, 2018 was a great year no one talks about. 2018 had Black Panther, Infinity War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, but back to Black Widow. Also, I think Black Widow had trouble, you know, getting off the ground when it comes to her getting her own movie. But after years later, we're finally here. Black Widow got her own movie. So what is Black Widow about? The premise online states, following the events after Captain America Civil War, Natasha Romanoff finds herself alone and forced to confront a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past. Pursued by a force that will stop her at nothing to bring her down, Romanoff must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationship she left in the wake long before she became an Avenger. And Black Widow's past has always been something of like a mystery in the MCU. We got a glimpse into her past in Asia Ultron. They showed her as a kid when she first started the Black Widow training program. But in this movie, they will dive a little bit more into her past. Also, we meet some new characters in this movie as well. We meet two other Black Widows or former Black Widows. One of them looked like it was her mentor. And the other one, I assume, was like in the same training class as, you know, the original Black Widow or the one we know. And we meet the Red Guardian. And the best way to describe the Red Guardian, he said he's kind of like a, say like a Russian Captain America. But now let's get to the villain of the movie, Taskmaster. He's one of my favorite villains or antagonists, whatever you want to call it, in Marvel. Like any character that has a sword in a movie or show where the sword is not the main weapon of choice, you're automatically a top tier character to me. Prime example, Future Trunks from Dragon Ball Z. But Taskmaster, he's like a jack of all trades. His power, quote unquote, or skill, he has photographic memory. He can mimic any fighting style seconds after seeing it. In the movie, we see his trademark weapons. He has a sword because in one of the trailers, I think the one where everybody's falling from the damn sky, he uses his sword to catch on to something. And he has a shield, a la Captain America, and a bow and arrow, a la Hawkeye. And some people believe that Taskmaster is Hawkeye but has been brainwashed. It's a little far-fetched to me because, you know, Hawkeye was already brainwashed in the first Avengers movie. So I assume, you know, they're not going to recycle that and do it again. I feel like he'll learn his lesson from that time. And we didn't see this in the trailer, but I hope they put this in the movie. But Taskmaster does swing on a rope like Spider-Man. Also, they added another weapon to Taskmaster's arsenal. He has retractable claws like Black Panther. So I would assume that would work in his hand-to-hand -hand combat because we see him use them against the Red Guardian when they were fighting in the trailer. And he has his quote-unquote skull mask in the movie as well. To be honest, to me, it looks more like a motorcycle helmet. That's like my only critique I have going into the movie. Yes, I understand that they're trying to give it a more modern look. But to me, I think they could have done it a little better because in the Spider-Man game on the PS4, his mask looked great in that video game. It was a modern look, but it still looked like a skull. So where does Taskmaster fit in the plot of this movie? From the looks of it, it looks like Taskmaster trained all of the Black Widows and he was assigned to bring in the main Black Widow of this movie, you know, the one that we know. And when you think about it, they never refer to Natasha as the Black Widow, kind of like how they never referred to Wanda as the Scarlet Witch. I would assume that Natasha left or escaped, you know, during the Black Widow program. 
And that's why she's never been referred to as the Black Widow because that brings up, you know, like a traumatic time in her life. And we see that her main goal of the movie is to take down the Black Widow organization and save those young girls who are assumedly kidnapped and trained to be super assassins. So what are my expectations going into this Black Widow movie? I expect this Black Widow movie to be like a B, B plus movie at minimum. It's Marvel, so I got to give them that, you know. Early reviews are saying this movie is pretty good. Most of, you know, the Marvel movies are like that B to B plus or above because the story looks like it's easy to follow. We're getting introduced to new characters and I feel like we're going to have like a character death in this movie as well. And last but not least, the action looks great, especially the scene where everybody's falling out the damn sky like I referenced earlier when talking about Taskmaster. And I think they're going to have like, I think like them falling out the sky will be like the final showdown between Taskmaster and Black Widow. And I talked about this way back when we saw the first ever Black Widow trailer back in December 2019. And I love the Black Widow suit that's all white. I think that's a very nice aesthetic. And to me, I like it when heroes, well not just heroes, when like heroes, sports teams or whatever, when they wear alternate outfits or uniforms. And there's been a lot of theories and predictions being thrown around about this movie. Anywhere from brainwashing to face swapping. Also, there's rumored to be a Tony Stark cameo in this movie. He probably is there to ask Black Widow like why she double-crossed him in Civil War. But all jokes aside, I'm curious to see how this Tony Stark cameo will be. Like, will it be a flashback or something? I think it will be because, if I'm correct, this movie takes place in 2017 between Civil War and Infinity War. And for what I can remember, the last time Tony and Black Widow were seen together after Civil War was an endgame in the beginning before the five-year time jump. And I would assume they had no contact between them during that span. So more than likely, I guess it'll be a flashback scene. But now let's get to the post-credit scene, which has been a staple for Marvel movies. They only had one movie without a post-credit scene that was endgame. And usually the post-credit scene either sets up the next movie or just something bigger, you know, down the line. And I have been thinking, what could the post-credit scene be for the Black Widow movie? Maybe it's Captain America recruiting Black Widow to do rogue missions with him and Falcon. That's what we see them doing in Infinity War. But I was like, nah, that's too predictable. Like, it's Marvel. They got to do something big. You know, we're in a new era for Marvel. People, you know, calling this new saga the multiverse saga. So I think in this post credit scene for Black Widow, we're going to see the beginnings of a new team, the Thunderbolts. Basically, the Thunderbolts are like Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad, a team full of villains. And we already met a few villains that are in the Thunderbolts or associated with the Thunderbolts. We have Baron Zemo from Civil War slash Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think in the comics, he's the leader of the Thunderbolts. We have John Walker, a.k.a. New Captain America slash U.S. Agent and Taskmaster. So I think the post credit scene will be like Taskmaster sitting in a cell somewhere. You know, someone walks in like, hey, you know, I'm putting together a team. I need your particular skill set because I came to this conclusion for this post credit scene because the Thunderbolts have been rumored for a couple years now. And I think Marvel have done enough to show that they could switch things up a little bit. You know, it go down a little darker route. Like, hell, we're getting a Blade movie in a couple years and a Deadpool movie down the line as well. So a movie surrounding villains would be a good change of pace for Marvel. But we don't know what the future holds until the Black Widow movie is out. So there are just some of my last minute thoughts, predictions, and theories going into the Black Widow movie. It's going to be out this weekend. Like I said, I'm seeing it a nice noon showtime. So I should be out about 3 o'clock. I looked up Black Widow's probably... Well, Black Widow is 
a little over two hours long. About the average length for a Marvel movie. So yeah, seen it this weekend. Hopefully it's good. I have faith it will be. Then I'll get on the podcast next week and give you all my thoughts and reactions to the Black Widow movie. Okay, since Black Widow is coming out this week, I wanted to do something with all of the past Marvel movies. In the earlier days of the podcast, like two months into the damn thing, I did a rankings list of all the Marvel movies from worst to best. And in that list, I was very objective, even though people still got mad at me because I had Iron Man ranked so low. To me, wasn't as good as everybody else thought it was. And looking back at it over two years ago, I was like, you know what? Let me re-rank these in order of how I personally feel about them. Then I was like, you know what? Never mind. That's too much. Let's do a top 10. I was like, what? Never mind. I want to do something different. How about a tier list? Tier lists are very popular nowadays. And if you don't know what a tier list is, you can make them about anything. They got them about TV shows, movies, sports, restaurants, etc. And you can go into more detail if you want to. TV characters, movie characters, basketball players, football players, and the list goes on and on. Basically, anything you could think of, you can make a tier list for that. And usually the most common groupings are letter grades, like the S group, superior, A group, B group, C group, all the way down to F. So I'm here today to give you my Marvel Cinematic Universe tier list. Remember, these are just my personal opinions. Please don't take no offense if your favorite movie has a low grade or if a movie you don't like that much has a high grade. This is all subjective and I'm doing this for fun and, you know, for a little bit more content for the podcast. As we go over this list, I'll give my explanations on why this movie is on this particular part of the list. And after listening, you know, for visual representation, I'll put out the whole entire tier list on my social media platforms the same day the podcast episode comes out. Also, for clarification purposes, this is only for the movies, so the Disney Plus shows won't be on here. That's another list for another time. So without further ado, let's hop into the Marvel Cinematic Universe tier list. First, we're going to start off with the bottom of the barrel, the D list. I didn't add an F list because I forgot to add it, so the D list is, like I said, bottom of the barrel. To sum up this portion of the list, I'd rather watch paint dry than watch these movies again. Kicking off the D-list is the first two Thor movies, Thor and Thor The Dark World. I'm grouping these two movies together so I can get through this list a little quicker. But I commend Marvel for trying to do something different with the Thor movie, you know, diving into all that Norse mythology, which a lot of people like, I found out recently. And I did like the whole break the hero down and build him back up storyline, you know, sending Thor back down to Earth until he's worthy. But besides Loki and the Cat Dennings character, all the other side characters... To me, were just there, especially I think Jane. Yeah, Jane, Thor's love interest. To me, she was just bland and boring. You know, none of them really stuck out to me. And yes, in the first Thor movie, Hawkeye was introduced, but but he was just like made out to be just another guy. And with Thor: The Dark World, hell, it was just boring to me. I rewatched it last year, and it took me two days to watch it. Like, if it takes you two days to watch a two-hour movie, it's not you, it's the movie. But moving on, next up, The Incredible Hulk. Hulk standalone movies must be cursed or something. Like the first Hulk movie came out like in the early 2000s was underwhelming. And the Incredible Hulk movie, although it was better, still didn't do nothing for me. And it's probably the most forgettable Marvel movie they have in my opinion. But 
I think the only thing, only right rememberable part of that movie was the Tony Stark cameo in the post credit scene. And last but not least, on the D tier is Iron Man 2. That damn Iron Man 2. Personally, my least favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Like, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know my disdain for Iron Man 2. If you're a new listener to the podcast, you're like, wow, why Jacob hate Iron Man 2 so much? Well, let me tell you a story. Okay, so Iron Man 2 came out probably, I think, the summer before my senior year. And during that time, me and a whole bunch of friends went to go see movies every now and then. You know, I think we saw Friday the 13th one time, but this time we were seeing Iron Man. And usually when we get to the movies, we get to the movies about probably two hours before you know, the movie start, you know, hang out, grab a bite to eat, all the other stuff. We get to the movies. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, damn, I can't find my ticket. I lost my ticket somewhere, probably at Wendy's. Because that's where we ate at before. Because Wendy's is like across the parking lot from the movie theater. I'm like, okay, Jacob, don't panic. You collect movie tickets. So just use one of your old movie tickets. Just flash it real quick. They'll let you in. Okay, so walking in line. And they had the, the, the ticket taker person, Big Strong looking person too look like shaft and i flashed the wrong movie ticket i tried to flash it real quick and pull it back down he like analyzed the hell out of this movie ticket and you know it got caught he was like hey you trying to use a fake ticket get out of my damn theater only time i ever got kicked out of anything in my life so all my friends are in the theater about to see iron man 2 i'm outside trying to hatch a plan how to get into the theater and watch it okay so i walk past to the side of the movie theater the door opens, you know, because, you know, movie theaters have the side exit so people can get out. So then I walk through the front. The side opens. I rush in, run to the bathroom. I call one of my friends. They're like, hey, Jacob, where the hell you at? I was like, man, I'm in the bathroom, man. I lost my ticket. Tried to use a fake ticket. And I got caught, got kicked out. Now I snuck in through the, the side. I'm in the bathroom right outside the theater. It's okay, Jacob. We'll get a ticket from one of our other friends. Go in there, give it to you, and you walk in the theater. So that plan works. We get in, saw Iron Man 2, and it was a dud. I was like, damn, I went through all this damn trouble for this damn movie. So that is why I hate Iron Man 2. So fast forward 10 years later, last year, the 2020, I decided, you know what? Let me give Iron Man 2 another chance. First time seeing it since that time in the theaters. I was okay, 10 years later, maybe my views have changed, and I still don't like it. At this point, I'd rather drive to Atlanta with no AC, windows rolled up in the summertime, than watch Iron Man 2 again. But now let's move on to even better movies. So now we're at the C tier. In this list, the gap between the C tier and the D tier is a good distance. We got six movies that made the C tier. The first three I'm going to talk about are movies that weren't great, but wasn't terrible. They were simply okay. First up, Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel gets a bad rap, and I don't know why. Some folks say it's the worst Marvel movie. No, it's not. Y'all heard me explain Iron Man 2 in the first two Thor movies. But uh, Captain Marvel, like the hate it gets, is mainly focused on the casting of Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. I really don't have a problem with her being Captain Marvel. Only thing I can say is that I wish they didn't make her so damn cookie cutter. Like, kind of like how they made Captain America in the earlier movies. 
I wish they gave her more personality. But getting into the movie, I did like how Captain Marvel was also like a Nick Fury origin story as well. We see how he lost his eye, how he came up with the Avengers Initiative, and also like the introduction of the scrolls. But I didn't like how weak they made him look because in the comics, the scrolls are totally different. But all in all, Captain Marvel to me was okay. Next up is Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 was way better than Iron Man 2. This was the first movie after the first Avengers movie, and we see the effects of the events in the first Avengers, what that had on Tony Stark. And this is probably one of the more vulnerable times we see Tony Stark. And at this point in time, you know, he's met his greatest match, the Mandarin. I remember watching the trailer to this movie. I'm like, man, the Mandarin ain't nothing to damn play with. And then the only reason this movie is a C to me was the stupid twist they had where the Mandarin wasn't the Mandarin. Like the real Mandarin was just a creepy guy in the elevator at the beginning of the movie. But now with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings coming out in a couple months, we get to meet the real, real Mandarin. Next up is Captain America, the first Avenger. This is your basic comic book origin story. Nothing special about this movie in my opinion. And of course, you know, it gets better with the two sequels. Now we're moving on to the next three movies in the C tier. And these three movies actually enjoy a lot after, you know, watching it more than one time. Like these movies are on the fringe of being in the B tier if you watch it on a good day. First up is Ant-Man. I really like the Ant-Man movies. I said this plenty of times on the podcast. To me, the Ant-Man movies are better than the Iron Man movies as a series because the Ant-Man movies are just fun movies to watch. They don't take themselves too seriously. And, you know, it's just a fun time to kill two hours. And it starts off with the first Ant-Man movie. It had a hard task to follow up. It followed up in the Avengers movie, Avengers Age of Ultron. And all the Avenger movies had like a serious tone. And to me, the first Ant-Man movie had a lighthearted feel to it. Great main character with Ant-Man. Great supporting cast with Hank Pym and Hope, aka the future Wasp. And the Ant-Man crew. It's still funny to me that T.I. is a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And overall, Ant-Man is a great movie. The reason why it's in the C tier to me was because of the lackluster villain. Just your run-of-the-mill, power-hungry CEO who just wants more power. Moving on, in the C tier we have The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I had high hopes for this movie. The first one was fantastic. But honestly, I wasn't blown away after my first time watching this. It took a second watch for me to really enjoy it. But when you break it down, the music is great. The movie has a great beginning. Guardians of the Galaxy has some of the best opening sequences in Marvel. You had the sequence where the Guardians escaped. I think it was called a Sovereign Race, the Gold People. And like this intergalactic chase. And the movie had a great ending, the final battle on Planet Ego. But the middle portion of the movie was just, eh, to me. I do give it credit for trying to flesh out some characters, get some character development. You know, that's always good. With Rocket and Yondu and the sibling relationship between Gamora and Nebula. Had a great reveal that Ego was the reason why Star Wars mom had like a brain tumor or something but to me while that was good the middle section just felt like it just dragged along like if a movie's three hours long if it's a good movie those three hours will fly by if the movie's boring those three hours will feel like six hours and this middle section of guardians of the galaxy volume 2 probably about 
40 minutes and it was a long 40 minutes too. But like I said, if this movie had a stronger middle section, this would be a solid B tier film. And the last movie on the C tier, Avengers Age of Ultron. Or as I like to call it, the second movie in the Disassembled trilogy. To me, this movie got better after the release of Civil War and Infinity War. It just gets better with age or like a fine wine. However that phrase goes, damn it. Because we all see, you know, the after effects of this film in the later movies. Because in this movie, we started to see the cracks in the shield. No pun intended. Also, this movie had a lot of just random stuff thrown into the middle section. Like Hawkeye had a family we didn't know about. Black Widow and the Hulk had this will they won't they relationship going on and at the time I was like what the hell is this but you know as time went on I was like you know what I don't mind this I actually like it also Thor just randomly disappears in the middle section but the same thing with with this movie as in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 great beginning great ending eh, middle but I do give this movie credit as it started to plant the seeds of dissension within the ranks which we saw you know later on in Civil War as well. Like if things would have went better in this movie, maybe the heroes would have won in Infinity War. Now moving on to the B tier, these five movies are all great. Starting off the B tier, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp. This is one of my favorite Marvel movies. It's definitely in my top five. And like I said with the first one, this is just overall a fun movie to watch. And like with the first one, it had a follow-up in the Avengers movie, Infinity War. And at the ending of Infinity War, people were down because, you know, the, the heroes lost. But Ant-Man and the Wasp brought the mood back up until the post credit scene, but we'll get to that in a moment. And with sequels, you look to see what improvements they made from the first one. And Ant-Man and the Wasp made improvements. First off, the villain was way better in this movie with Ghost. She was one of those villains that you could understand and see why she was doing what she was doing. You know, it's good to have a villain like that sometimes. Could have dealt without the power-hungry businessman, but would need the villain whose intentions were always evil to counterbalance the villain whose intentions are good in a way, but they're kind of going about it the wrong way. Also, the addition of the Wasp was great. She becomes the first female hero to have her name in a Marvel title, and she was like the brains and the bronze for the most part of the titular duo. And they ended the movie with a bang with that wild post credit scene, which is very underrated in me. A lot of people don't talk about how good the Ant-Man and the Wasp post credit scene was. I remember being in the theater and when he was in the quantum realm, they started counting down. We was like, oh God, we all know what's going to happen. And when it happened, we were still in shock. But overall, great movie. Next up at the beats here is Iron Man. I looked at other tier lists after I made mine just to see, you know, other people's opinions and thoughts and a lot of people had iron man in the s tier or the a tier because a lot of people love the first iron man movie to me it was good but it wasn't like oh my god it's the best thing i ever seen that's why to me it's in the b tier i respect iron man for what it is the movie that started it all robert Downey jr is fantastic in the tony stark slash iron man role but to me this movie wasn't all that next up dr strange the most underrated movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, along with the two Ant-Man movies as well. And with this movie, it introduced something new to Marvel, Sorcery, which brought up unique action scenes, like at the end where Doctor Strange and the villain, I forgot his name, they were fighting in real time while everything around them 
was going back in time. I thought that was a really cool fight scene. One of the top fights in a Marvel movie, in my opinion. Next up is Spider-Man Far From Home, the latest addition to the MCU up until Black Widow this upcoming week. And this was a worthy sequel to me. It had a tough job, though, because it was the first movie in a post-Endgame world. Overall, I do give it credit for trying something different, of course, with the location being in Europe instead of New York City. That means Spider-Man had to find unique ways to move around the city. And I did like the introduction of the multiverse, even though it wasn't like a true introduction. And I did like Mysterio as the main villain. And they had an underlying theme of people's over-reliance on technology and how people can use technology to manipulate a narrative that benefits them, as we can see by the post credit scene in this movie. All that was good, but the reason why this movie is in the B tier was because of that quote-unquote twist. We all saw this twist a mile away. Why were we supposed to be like, oh no, Mysterio double-crossed Spider-Man. I'm so shocked. How could he do that? No, we all know Mysterio is the damn bad guy. And in the trailer, they were like, yeah, Mysterio is supposed to be a good guy. We was like, yeah, sure. But besides all that, I like this movie. And the last movie in the B tier is Black Panther. We can't deny the impact Black Panther had when it came out. It's the highest grossing non-Avengers movie. And after we saw him in Civil War, Black Panther was one of the most anticipated movies Marvel has ever put out. And for me, it lived up to the hype. It had one of the best villain performances I've ever seen in a superhero movie. Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger was fantastic. And Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, did a great job as Black Panther. And Black Panther did something we rarely see. It shows the hero losing. You know when Black Panther got beat by Killmonger, lost the Black Panther title, and we saw his rise back up to the top. That's always a good story to tell. And to cap it off, we had the rare moment where the villain actually taught the hero something because at the end, you know, Black Panther decides to share the Wakandan tech with the world. Now moving on to the A tier. First up is Avengers Endgame, one of the biggest movies ever made. If I made this tier list right after Avengers Endgame came out, this would definitely be an S tier movie. But after two or three watches, it's down to the A tier. Let me explain. First, the final act. From when they snapped and brought everybody back up until the credits, it's perfect. The beginning was good. One day, went and jumped Thanos after he cooked dinner, and they realized, hey, we can't fix things because once you use the Infinity Stones, it's a one-time deal. Then we had the five-year time jump and the plan to travel back in time to get the Infinity Stones back and bring everybody back. All that was good, but the part that makes me go, eh, is the whole let's split up Scooby-Doo style plan they had in the middle. Don't get me wrong, if it's like two groups splitting up, then okay. You know, it's only two stories to follow. But when it's six stories to follow, it felt like it got repetitive. Like, it was, okay, heroes get to the place, find a stone, run into trouble, solve the situation, get the stones, and move on. It was, okay, on to the next group. And then after that, the next group, you know, this repeats the process over and over again. Like, the first two or three times is good, but when it gets to like six times, it's a little too much in my opinion, and it started to drag just a little bit. But they did make up for that with that epic, climactic, whatever big-ass words you, you can make up for the word good for that final battle. Next up is Spider-Man Homecoming. Another movie I like a lot too. This is also in my top five Marvel movies ever, or MCU movies, or whatever you want to call it. 
In this movie, we get to see the best of Spider-Man and Peter Parker with the performance of Tom Holland. Also, a great villain in this movie with Vulture and that plot twist. When they revealed that Vulture was Peter Parker's crushes, dad was fantastic. Like My jaw dropped when I saw that in the movie theaters. And we have another, you know, tear down the hero just to build him back up story in this movie as well when Tony Stark took away the suit from Peter and he follows it up with one of the best quotes in a Marvel movie saying that, you know, if you're nothing without a suit, then you never deserve a suit in the first place. Also to me, it has a great moral to this story. Like if you're a hero, sometimes you gotta fight the little battles along with the big battles. Overall, this is a great movie and one of the best Spider-Man movies ever made. Next up is Thor Ragnarok. This is actually one of the Marvel movies I have seen the most. Because Thor did a complete 180 in this movie. Because the Thor arc just fascinates me. This man was in the two worst Marvel movies out there with Thor and Thor The Dark World. Ends up being in one of the best Marvel movies ever with Thor Ragnarok. And this movie kickstarted like the best character run in Marvel to me. Thor's run in Thor Ragnarok. Infinity War and Endgame was great to me. Like, if you're a fan of music, especially rap, and you was in the future, I want to say late 2014, early 2015, Feature went on a run. He released Monster, Beast Mode, and 56 Nights. That is what basically Thor did in that three-movie run. He had a future run. And Thor Ragnarok is great from the story, the comedy, and the action. We get the low-key face turn. Hulk gets some time to shine, and this movie has it all, and it's very fun to watch. And now wrapping it up with the last movie in the A tier is The Avengers, the biggest superhero movie ever up to this point. I remember the theater being so packed for this Avengers movie, I had to sit in the damn handicap seat to watch this movie. And yes, I would have gotten up if someone needed that seat. I'm not that evil of a person. Yeah, but this movie was good. It was the first time we saw all these characters on screen together at the same time. And I'm glad they didn't do the whole cliche, we're all going to agree because we're heroes. No, that's not believable. You got six people with six different viewpoints. And I liked it when Cap and Tony were button heads. It was just foreshadowing on what's to come. Then throwing Loki as the villain at a great climactic battle. Then you got Thanos as the bigger evil lurking from the background. Then you got yourself a textbook crossover movie. And now, let's move on to the S tier. This right here is the cream of the crop. The best Marvel has to offer. Let's get started with the S tier. First up is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. To most people, this is the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And I can see why. It's the first movie of what I call the Disassembled Trilogy. We see the dissension from behind the scenes, Cap's distrust in the government where it's revealed that Hydra has been secretly running S.H.I.E.L.D. the entire time. A nice plot twist right there. And this movie is more than just a superhero movie. There's a little espionage going on here as well. Add a great supporting cast. The introduction of the Winter Soldier, Falcon, and Sharon Carter. Black Widow and Nick Fury is back too. The action is great. I like the Nick Fury car chase. That's the first time we saw the Winter Soldier. The elevator fight scene and the final sequence with the three helicarriers. All around great stuff. Next up is Civil War, the final movie in the Disassembled Trilogy, as I call it. And this movie was great. There are so many good things to say about this. The introduction of Spider-Man 
and Black Panther, the tension between Iron Man and Captain America has finally reached its boiling point. And it's been there ever since the first Avengers movie. You know, Tony called Cap a lab experiment. Steve called Tony just a rich guy with a suit. And they always butted heads by the end of the day. They had a job to do, they had a common goal, and all that gets thrown out the window in Civil War. This movie brings up a lot of great debates. First off, whose side you were on? I was on Team Stark. To me, he took responsibility for his actions after the events of Age of Ultron because a lot of people died on his watch. He was like, hey, you know, it's my fault all this happened. And I'm willing to take whatever punishment is given to me. I can't be mad at a person holding themselves accountable. In today's day and age, that's all we want. You know, someone being held accountable for their actions. And Cap was in denial. You know, Bucky was brainwashed. Yeah, we get that, but people still died. Hell, Bucky held himself more accountable than Cap. And the people was mad at Tony when he attacked Bucky and Cap after finding out that Bucky really killed his parents. Like, what the hell you want Tony Stark to do? Oh, Bucky, you know, it's okay to kill my parents. Yeah, you were brainwashed, but hey. All water under the bridge. It's all good. No, tensions were running very high at that moment in time. And I think what hurt the most was that Cap knew, but didn't tell Tony. Granted, when Tony asked Cap, hey man, did you know about this? He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. But it took him a while for him to answer. So in Tony's eyes, he knew. I don't blame Tony for doing that. If Cap didn't know, he should have denied that immediately. He'd be like, hey man, did you know Bucky killed my parents? I'm like, hell no, I didn't know he killed your damn parents. Damn, Bucky, you did that. That's, that's what I would have done if I was in Cap's shoes. Deny that immediately. And yeah, you can make a whole episode about Civil War, which I wanted to do earlier this year, but due to time constraints, it couldn't happen. I want to do it eventually, but I got to find the right place and time to do that. But yeah, Civil War was great. A simple plot catastrophic event happened government wanted to seize control of all the heroes some agree some don't and they fight you know tony was assigned to catch bucky so he made a team him black widow war machine vision spider-man black panther hell black panther was just there to kick bucky's ass for killing his dad he really had no interest in this whole government control superheroes ordeal then of course you know cap had to protect bucky so he made a team it was cap bucky Falcon, Scarlet Witch, or Wanda, whatever you want to call her, Hawkeye, and Ant-Man. And the airport fight scene was spectacular. One of the best battles in a Marvel movie. Definitely top 10, probably top 5, if you ask me. All in all, Civil War was great. I highly recommend it, both the movie and the comic. And the comic is one of the more popular comics in Marvel history. Very different from the movie, but still a good read. Next up is Infinity War. Why I have this higher than Endgame. To me, Infinity War was overall, from start to finish, a better movie. What made Infinity War good to me, besides the action and the story, there was a lot of people to give screen time to, and they made it work. No one really got the short end of the stick when it came to screen time. Everyone just got enough. While in Endgame, granted half of the heroes came back at the end, but it sort of felt like they just jammed everybody in the end to make up for it. And Infinity War had a nice balance. I like the random groups they had. Even though Cap and Black Panther was the only group that was playing to be together. You had Thor, Rocket, and Groot. And you had Tony, Peter, Doctor Strange. And the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy working together. Which was a very interesting dynamic because you have three of the biggest egos 
in the Marvel movies on one team, Tony, Doctor Strange, and Star-Lord. And let me defend my guy Star-Lord for a second. What else was he supposed to do when he found out that his girlfriend died? The same thing Tony was supposed to do? Oh, you killed my girlfriend? Okay, water under the bridge. Let's get to it. No. Granted, it wasn't the smart thing he did, but I can see why he did that. After all these great things I said about Infinity War, I haven't even brought up Thanos yet. He was great in it. He was like the Grim Reaper. It was like whenever he showed up, you knew bodies were about to drop. He was like the star of the movie. Then the final battle was great. So many good moments from that battle. You had Thor coming back. You had the banter between Rocket and Bucky. And you had Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, and Okoye teaming up. All that was great. And last but not least, this is the only movie where the heroes lost. So that always stuck out to me when talking about all these movies, that ending. And the last movie in the S tier, and the last movie on this tier list, Guardians of the Galaxy. I said this plenty of times on the podcast. This is my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. From the characters, the story, and the music, overall great movie to me. The pacing was great. Things didn't feel like it was rushed from the introduction to the characters, to how the team was formed, their growing pains, down to the final battle. To me, this was a game changer for Marvel. This was the first time they dove into sci-fi with these movies, and this was the first MCU movie to have that lighthearted feel to it. Like this movie did a great job balancing action and comedy because at the end of the day, they're not the Avengers, you know. They're you know, the Avengers were the best of the best. They were just a ragtag team thrown together to save the galaxy, and they did. But wrapping things up, that was my Marvel tier list. Once again, that's just my personal opinion. If you want to make your own tier list and share it with me, I'm all for that. I just did this for fun, and that's what the podcast is all about, just having fun. So hopefully, I made up for missing last week by giving y'all a great episode this week. And we'll be back next week with more Marvel talk with the first reactions to the Black Widow movie. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to give this podcast a listen. Thank you for all the likes, retweets, shares, subscribes, and any other way you support the podcast. It truly means a lot to me. Like I always say, I will not be here without you, the listener, and I thank you for that. So take care, be safe, and I will see y'all next time.